Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. There is a spiritual... There are things happening in the spirit all around us that many of us are not aware of. I would say most of us are not completely aware of. Amen, church? There is a spiritual battle going on. And the battle is for the soul of people. And God has an agenda and the enemy has an agenda. I think, I don't know, 20 years ago, I was in my late teens and... um, You know, when you turn on the TV, you can clearly see that the enemy is much more, uh, he's not hiding his agenda as he once was. Uh, It is in our children's faces. It is plastered over every billboard, all over the television and commercials and all the rest in social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. The enemy is just in our face. Whereas growing up in music or on the TV, there were subliminal messages. It was subliminal. Who knows what subliminal means? It means a hidden message or a hidden agenda. Well, the enemy's agenda and his messages are no longer hidden. They are blatant. And it's changing the spiritual climate of our world. And good sermons will not bind the enemy. Only the blood of Jesus, only the blood of Jesus has the power to draw back and push back against all the forces of hell. Do you remember, do you remember... I'm just going to follow what I feel the Lord doing and saying, because it is, it's time and high time that we push back against the onslaughts of the enemy. There, there was a scripture in the Bible in the book of Acts, and there were priests by the name of seven sons of Sceva. It's a long one. And what they did was, is there, they were doing an exorcism. They were trying to cast out a demon And these seven priests go in this house to this demon-possessed girl. She was heavily influenced by the powers of darkness. And, And they go in there to cast this spirit out. And they said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus. Now, they started right. But they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Which was a little telling, which meant that they, they, they only knew who Jesus was vicariously through someone else. And not only did these demons not come out, they, they, they actually lashed out against these seven sons of Sceva and sent these seven priests, if you want to call them that. They left them out naked. They sent them out naked and bleeding and running for their lives. We cannot, in these last days that we are living in, We cannot know Jesus from a second hand. 
Your, your grandmother may have known Jesus and knew how to pray, but it's time for you to get to know Jesus and you learn to pray. Your grandfather may have known how to apply the blood of Jesus, but Jesus is calling us to get a revelation of his blood so that you don't need the pastor to pray for you because I might not be able to make it to the hospital in time. When you're having a stressful day at work, you may not be able to get through Ascension's prayer line. We have to get a revelation of the power that's in the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. I don't care what you're dealing with this year. The only reason you should even begin to struggle with what you struggled back with in, 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 in 2022 is if you don't have a revelation of what this is. The blood of Jesus. Everybody say the blood of Jesus. And I believe that as we take communion more and more and more, God, by the Holy Spirit, will give us a deeper revelation of the blood of Jesus. And listen, I have to tell you this. There is nothing, there is nothing, no thing, there's not, no demon, there's no sickness, there is no disease, there is no type of mental illness, there is no type of struggle that you are facing in your life and currently that the blood of Jesus cannot deal with. There is nothing. There's no mountain, there's no valley, there's no stress, there's no, no, no type of ailment that the blood of Jesus cannot deal with. And I pray that, the God, that God gives us a deeper revelation of his blood. Sermons, because of what's coming to the earth, there's no amount of sermons that will run off the enemy anymore. It's going to be the revelation of the blood of Jesus, the price that Jesus Christ paid on Calvary's cross, the revelation of that, that's what makes demons tremble and flee. Amen, church? I want you to get your elements ready, and we're gonna pray. Um, we're gonna pray, obviously. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 28. The Bible says that as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Everybody say bread. bread. Honey, can you open this? I can't get to the body of Jesus right now. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. Everybody break it. And he gave the the disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my what? It's what? Jesus' body. Now why, now why did, why did he take it and why did he break it in that moment? It was a representation of what he would do just a few days later on the cross. See, we think that they they beat Jesus and murdered Jesus. They did not just beat Jesus and murder Jesus. Jesus offered himself. Jesus, he says, no man can take his life. He gives it of himself. And when he allowed his body to be broken, do you know what that was representative of? Of your and my brokenness, spiritually speaking. And what Jesus did on the cross, he was saying, I'm going to get broken so that you can one day be healed spiritually. Do you know 
when you drive down the street and you see the ambulance, do, do you see that symbol or that icon that's on the side of that truck? It is a snake in a stick. Now, why would a snake and a stick represent healing? Do you remember when Jesus makes this correlation in the New Testament? He said, even as Moses lifted up what in the wilderness? Even as Moses lifted up the serpent, what does the serpent represent? A curse. Jesus said that he became the curse so that he can break the curse for us. And what does the stick represent? That represents the cross. The Bible says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Jesus was talking about the tree, meaning the cross. So when you see that correlation of the snake and the stick, you are seeing Jesus fulfilling what was written in the Old Testament. Now, many of you are probably like, what is he talking about? Well, when you go... Now, I'm a woodsman. I like going in the woods and stuff. I know it's, you know, people are like, why would you want to go in the woods? They got AC these days. You know, they, they, you know, I just love being out in the wilderness. And what I found out, uh, you have to be careful. When I was walking some land recently and I was just walking along and there was a snake coiled up and he bit my boot. And I'm like, thank God I had pants on. And I thought to myself, you know, we're really far from a, uh, hospital. Yeah, that. But even if I did get bit and it was a venom, if it was a venomous snake, they have what's called anti-venom. Everybody say anti-venom. So, so do you know what anti-venom is made of? It's made from the very venom of the snake that bit you. And so when we see that snake and that stick that represents healing, everybody say healing. Jesus was saying something very profound when he said, he made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became the curse in order to break the curse. So when you think about snake venom, if someone gets bit by snake venom, what they do is they inject you with the very venom that you were bit with so it'll build your tolerance up against that which you were bitten by. And so when Jesus was bitten by sin, he actually was healing us from our sin. He made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became the curse so that he could break the curse. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Even as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must also be lifted up. This is the power of the blood and the body of Jesus. Anybody who tells you you will struggle for the rest of your life with sin, they're lying to you and do not have a revelation of the blood of Jesus. We were sinners saved by grace. The blood of Jesus not only has the ability to heal you from sin, it has the ability to keep you from continuing in your sin. <clears throat> the Bible talks about we have become dead to sin that we might live in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, Father, as we take...
your body and your blood. I pray, Father, for every person under the sound of my voice, for the reality of what you did on the cross would penetrate every single one of our hearts. And I pray for all those under the sound of my voice that the power of sin would be broken even right now as we receive your body in Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive. And as we lift up this cup, this cup of victory, this cup of suffering, the cup that represents the remission of sins, Father, I ask, Father, for your precious blood to wash over every single person, any person that is dealing with the sting of sin, dealing with sickness, dealing with disease, dealing with mental illness, Father, I thank you that there's nothing that your blood cannot heal or touch. So, Father, as we receive together corporately your blood, communion, Father, may your blood be upon us, upon our children, and upon our children's children. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for the price. Come on, thank them with me. We thank you for the price you paid on Calvary's cross. Lord, may, may it continue to be at work in every single aspect of our lives, Father. Our families, our children, our minds, our heart, our spirit, our soul, and our body. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, you may receive. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord just for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the power that's in your blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for healing every person from every type of bondage, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can remain seated as I open the scriptures to Jeremiah chapter 18. I'm going to preach a short message this morning. I thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. I am um, I'm glad to be back in the pulpit. Um, last week, I missed last week. I was really battling with my body. I was down for about three days, could hardly stand. Um, I feel much, much better. But um, thank God for a speedy recovery. But um, my voice, if I continue to, you'll have to excuse my voice just a little bit if I continue to clear my throat. You know, after you sometimes get really sick, you, you get this tickle in the throat. Uh, so you'll have to excuse me for clearing my throat multiple times and taking a sip of water. Please be patient with me this morning. Um, but I did want to bring this word, and I believe that it will bless us in this new year. How many are ready to be blessed? Can you hold up your Bible really high up in the air if you can? I want you to declare this. I want you to say this. This is the infallible, undisputed. Come on, that sounds weak this morning, guys. Say, this is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result 
of reading, hearing, and applying your word every area of my life in Jesus' name. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. I can already feel myself getting excited. A voice better get in line in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a different year this year. We are coming from a place of defeat, and we're going to walk into a place of victory. I declare that, even prophetically. I declare that we're coming out from sickness and going to walk in divine healing. We're going to come from a place of apathy into a place of great passion in our relationship with Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. We'll see where the Lord wants to go. And it says this. And before I read this, I have to say that I believe that this particular scripture found in the Old Testament is where we are right now in the body of Christ. So I want you to see yourself in the story. Can you do that? Can you use your holy imagination? It says, the word which came to Jeremiah from who? From the Lord. And he says, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. And then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. Look at somebody and say, hold still. Come on, tell somebody, look, them, look at them with a prophetic edge and eye and say, stop moving so much. God's doing a work in you. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them, hold still, Dean. Stop moving so much. God's doing a work in you. And the vessel, now listen to this. And the vessel that he made, God made, was of clay. And it was marred, or another word for marred is disfigured. It was disfigured. Somebody said, Lord, don't hurt me too much. It was marred in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. And then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Everybody said amen. amen. I felt like the Lord would say to many of you this morning, as we underline that verse of scripture that says, and the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again into another vessel. Who you were in 2022 cannot serve God's purposes for you in 2023. I said who you were last year cannot serve God's purpose, his plan, and his will in 2023. 
Many, re- many of the reasons why many of us are struggling right now is not because God is not mad at us. It's because God is working some things out of you and I to make us ready for what he has for us in this year. You're going to see God begin to deconstruct relationships, careers, belief systems, religiosity, deconstructing things. Why is God doing that? Because in the Old Testament, Jesus said this, by the Spirit, through a prophet, he said, behold, I do a new thing. See, we get excited when we talk about a new thing, but it doesn't feel very good when God begins to deconstruct things and reposition ourselves for the very new thing that he wants to do in our lives. You know what I was thinking? I almost preached a message this morning called Resolution or Revolution. Because it's like we start getting primed come December. Like, you know, we start coming up with all these different goals and things we're going to do, going to accomplish, academic goals, which there's nothing wrong with them, health goals, what we are or are not going to eat, diets, new hobbies, exercise, career goals, finance, and the list goes on and on. Even for some people, relational goals, like some of you are waiting for Boaz. Oh, I see one or two. But you know what I've never heard in all these two decades of serving the Lord? I have never heard anyone say, you know, I'm going to make a new goal this year. My new goal is going to be getting close to Jesus. Have you ever heard that before? I mean, I've never, you know, like, hey, I'm going to get to know the Lord a little bit more. I'm going, I I want to position myself to get to know his voice a little bit more. But if we really caught the revelation, we could save ourselves a lot of um, heartache, time, and pain if we would simply get connected to a greater degree with the Lord because the Lord has a perfect will and plan for all of us. And plus, he knows which you know, resolutions are going to fall through for you. And you know, when I go to the gym in January, it's packed. In February, there's nobody to be found anymore. It's like I can finally get back on the elliptical machine. If, if I did get on the elliptical machine, it's other machines, really. I don't, I don't like that kind of exercise. I like lifting stuff. But I've never heard someone say, you know, my, my goal this year is going to get close, going to be getting close to Jesus. And, and I have to tell you that one of the most important skills, I'm going to call it a skill because you learn every year how to get closer to the Lord. And, and I have to tell you, if you get comfortable with him, God will shift his forms. The way that he's found in one season, he will shift that way. He will not be found like that. Like you may open the Bible and see Jesus all throughout the scriptures. And then the next year you try to read and then your heart's not leaping like it used to. But maybe it's because not because you're not supposed to read the word. You should do that. But maybe he's calling you to the prayer closet or maybe he's calling you to seek him in a different way or a different fashion. But I, but I believe that we are entering into a season where God is going to begin to give us a very keen awareness of how to hear his voice and how to walk with him. Because if you're going to be successful on this side of heaven, and I don't mean money, I don't mean prestige, I don't mean pleasure, I mean successful, here's what I define success as, fulfilling the perfect will of God for you and for myself in the earth on this side of heaven. Come on, somebody ought to agree with me about that.
Relationship with Jesus will cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. I said it will cost you everything. Sometimes being close to Jesus will cost you relationships. We don't say it because we, we want people to give, right? But sometimes it'll cost you money. Sometimes it'll cost you time. Sometimes it'll cost you heartache. Sometimes it'll cost you doing things that you don't want to do. But like the late, great Catherine Kuhlman said, it'll cost you everything, but it's worth the cost. Somebody say it's worth the cost. It is worth the cost. I want to really talk about and I want to dive in to what this person is experiencing on this wheel. How many have been feeling like they're on a wheel, like spinning in the Lord, like this, like this, this clay was being spun on the potter's wheel? Anybody feel like they've been going through this cycle of this again and why am I finding myself here? Why do I have to continue to go through this process over and over and over again? Anybody feel like that? Am I preaching to the right crowd this morning? It's because we're prophetically in a season where God is working out like he worked that thing out in Jeremiah's life. And sometimes what he'll do is God will put you on something I call the spiritual spin cycle. Like where there's movement, but there's no real progress. At least you don't feel like there's progress. You're just going through the same things over and over, gone through this relational dysfunction over and over, gone through this financial challenge over and over, gone through health issues over and over. That's because God is spinning something out of you. What happens is, anybody ever watched pottery, like being hewn before? Now, the reason it goes round and round and round and that, that potter, when he puts his hands on that, what happens is the walls of that pottery begin to thin. Remember, I had been telling you guys recently how you know you're moving forward in the Lord is when you feel like you're being diminished. Does everybody understand when I say that? Like being diminished, like, like you're, you're weakening in your relationship with the Lord, like your walls are thinning. And all God is doing with that pottery, he's not trying to destroy the pottery. He's just trying to make more room for himself to put in that pottery. Because we are meant to be containers of the Lord. Did you know that? We have this treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. And so what God will begin to do is he'll begin to thin your walls. This is when you start acting irritated towards people. You know, when you used to be patient and then you start going through seasons of your life where you're a little bit more irritable than other and you're like irritable than other times and you're like lord why am i acting like this i should be past this i should be past these attitudes behaviors my face should be you know further along in my relationship with you come on anybody ever felt that way before what god will do is he'll begin to thin your walls and what happens in clay is there is debris in clay and so as the walls begin to thin little shrap metal and rocks and debris begin to rear its ugly head when your walls begin to thin and you, you say things like, man, I should be further along in my relationship with the Lord. Come on, anybody ever felt that way before? Am I the only one who's ever felt like, hey, I should be further along? This is a sign when you're going through these kind of challenges, it's a sign that God is working some things out of you, positioning you. Look at somebody and say, God is positioning you for what he has for you. Get ready. I want to preach to you this morning about the potter's process. <clears throat> We're all in a process right now of God working some things out in us. 
working certain attitudes and belief systems out in us, out of us, because God is about to do something in the earth that we are not ready for. I mean, the Lord has shown me over and over the past five, 10 years, God is about to visit his people in a special way. And we are containers of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. Say, the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of me. And so why is God working things out in our lives? As I said it just a moment ago, because he's making more, more room for himself on the inside of us. And the worst thing we could do, unlike that pottery, is to resist the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the scripture how it says that he was marred in the hands of the potter? You ever felt like that before? You felt like you've gone through a season where, man, I've really made it. And then the next season you find yourself in, you feel like everything is falling apart. And I feel like God is remaking some of us, like reshaping us, like, like, like an extreme makeover for some of us spiritually. An extreme makeover. And that's what God is doing. Now, why is he doing that? Because as this dispensation of time is coming to a close, and when I say we're in the last days, I, I really truly believe we're in the last days. Like even if you don't want to believe that, you're in your last days, and I'm in my last days when you really want to think about it. Come on, say amen, Dean. You started graying the past 10 years on me. I'm already starting to gray as well. But, but we, 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 we are getting so close now, now, why is God doing this kind of process? Because he needs vessels who are completely yielded to him. Say, I want to be yielded. We cannot be usable to God unless we are yielded. I don't run around the church and tell people God's going to give you a Hummer and God's going to cause you to walk into the promised land. I don't go around doing that anymore, that foolishness. My question is, is are you yielded? And here's the thing about our relation, here's the thing about our relationship with the Lord. We cannot be usable unless we are yielded. I know that doesn't sound super deep, but it is super deep. 99.9% of Christians are not yielded. Just because you sit in this room this morning does not mean you are yielded. You may be in here because you want something from the Lord. Oh, that's heaviness. Come on, anybody ever gone to church not because of what you wanted to give, but because of what you wanted to receive? Jesus is looking. The Bible says that the, the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro throughout the earth, seeking hearts that are completely his. Seeking, what, is, what does that mean? Seeking yielded vessels that he can use. You know, we don't even have even the permission to say, hey God, I want you to do this or not do that in my life. We are to be pottery, spinning on the potter's wheel and saying, Lord, I'm completely yielded to you. This ministry looks nothing like I wanted it to. Come on, does any of your lives look like what you... Can I tell you what life is? It's a huge potter's wheel that in year by year, God, the Holy Spirit, 
is at work in our lives trying to break us of our own will and our own desires. And you say, why would God do that? Because he's the potter and we are the clay. Let not the clay say, what are you doing to me? The most effective people I've ever seen in my life are those who are completely submitted to every challenge, every heartache, every pain, whatever God wants in my relationships, whatever God wants my career to look like, completely yielded and completely pliable to the Lord. We need this kind of preaching again. This is, you want to know why we are battling? Oh, God, help me. Do you know why most of society battles with depression? You know why most people are stressful and in fear? Because we kick against God's will. Really, all those are symptoms of saying, I can't get in my way. And, and the weight of being out of control the symptoms of that or the fruit of that. Am I talking to anybody this morning? The fruit of you not being in control or me not being in control is fear, is anger towards the Lord of not being able to get our way on our timing. You know, oftentimes God would do us a great disservice by fulfilling our will and our plan instead of yielding to him. I know I'm in my 30s, but I'm really starting to just get this. And I'm not even there yet. Look at somebody and say, you know you're not there yet. But one thing I do, I press towards the mark. I got some disappointing news this past week. You would have thought it would have flattened me. You would have thought it would have flattened me. And me and my wife both looked at each other and we said, why are we not bothered by this? I'm like, I don't, just last year, I would have flipped out about that. And we wanted this thing back. We were believing. I mean, we were really believing the Lord. But listen, we are the pottery. He's the potter. We are the clay. Our life is on his timetable. If he wants to work that thing out, he'll work it out for you. If he doesn't want to work that thing out for you, he'll work something in you and make you happy with the results, even though it may not be the results that you and I wanted it to be. He works in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. We were meant for his pleasure. We were not meant for a pleasure cruise. We were meant for his pleasure. And if taking some relationships out of my life brings pleasure to the master, then let the will of God be done. If God takes a career from you, even though it might seem like a mistake and seem like a tragedy, but maybe his, his design is to work out a characteristic in you. Maybe it's trust he needs from you. Maybe it's you just becoming completely yielded and completely abandoned to the heart of the Father. Somebody say, not my will, but thine. We were put here on the earth to serve his purpose and his pleasure. No matter what it looks like. If I told you half the heartaches me and my wife have been through, I remember I was, we were sitting on the front row and we just had lost our baby. And I'm like, this is two weeks in. This is not funny. And I was in such emotional pain. 
We have to look at every single, listen, God is in control. Everybody say, God is in control of my life. Did you know that? He really is. If God doesn't cause it, he allows it. And you and I are his child. And because you're his child, if you, like if you got close to my daughter in, in a wrong way, you would be in trouble. Or anyone would be in trouble, like, you know, to try to hurt her, you know? God looks at us like that. So because I'm, she doesn't know it, but I'm in control of her. She'll try to tell me differently. She's four, going on 40. But there's nothing that can happen in her life apart from me really knowing it. I mean, I'm around her, put her to bed every evening, shower her, get her ready. That's kind of our process in the evening. Nothing can touch her life that I don't permit. I'm always asking, honey, where are you at with, you know, because she's my little princess. God is like that with you and I. There's nothing that can pass through the hands of the master. Listen, it may have taken you by surprise, but nothing goes across the master's desk without him knowing it in your life. No matter what you're facing right now, God is completely aware of it. You've been praying about it and you're wondering, God, why are you silent? As if you're reminding him of that thing is happening to you. As if he needs to know that. God is acquainted with every single hair on your head. As a matter of fact, he's named them all. He's numbered them all. There's nothing that God's not aware of. He is in control. Say, he's in control. He's in control of my life. And look at somebody and tell them, you may not realize this, but God is in control of your life. No, no matter the tragedy, no matter the heartache, no matter the rejection, no matter if you passed in school or not, he's still in control. No matter if you're sick in body, he's still in control. No matter who left you, whoever will leave you, God is in control. No matter what your need is financially, God is in control. Say, God is in control. You know what I think? That God allows us to go through this spinning cycle like he did with this pottery. I'm going somewhere this morning. Say, he's going somewhere. He's working out something in you and I, and it's called self-will. That's what he's doing. We, he's working it out of us, working it out of us. Because the more we're pliable, the more we're usable in his kingdom. I love how the scripture says, as it seemed good to the potter. He marred it. It seemed good to the potter. Some things that go wrong and awry in our life, it pleases God. It may not please you. I can tell from some of your faces right now. You're not too pleased with it. But the safest, listen to me, listen to me. The safest place to be, no matter how hard it is, is to be in the center of God's will, no matter if it's painful no matter if it's hard, no matter if you're facing tragedy. Because what he's doing as he's breaking you down, allowing you to be broken, allowing your self-governance, you know, because society teaches that, independence. We are not meant to be independent. We are meant to be dependent on God. The most stressful people and the most unhappy people I've ever seen are the most independent people I've ever seen in my life. Say, Lord, teach me to be dependent upon you. Listen to this. 
Jeremiah 18. I'm going to read it again. Verse 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. As it seemed good to the potter to make. Don't you hate when God is silent? When you pray and you ask, you seek and you knock. He's nowhere to be found. When God is silent in our lives, he's doing his best work. I believe that this is a year where many people are coming out of a year of great tragedy where God hasn't seemingly spoken. Do you know what's going to do the speaking for God? His promises coming to pass in your and my life. Sometimes God doesn't speak through a prophetic word. Sometimes he speaks through circumstances. Sometimes he speaks through pain and heartache. Sometimes he speaks through removing certain people in your lives, shifting some things around. God is doing the speaking through circumstances. Sometimes he speaks through his word. Sometimes he speaks through circumstances. Say, God is building me. Listen to this. God oftentimes breaks the old you to build a new you. The one, listen to this, the one that reflects Jesus. Is anybody getting anything this morning? God is breaking. It's like I even see now, like, you know, you know, like a, like a, like a, like a flower, its arms, like there's, you know, it's, it's got, you know, vines on it. Uh, what, what do they call those, uh, branches, saplings, like, like branches, I guess. And the Lord is pruning that thing because those dead branches were, were kind of pulling you over towards the ground and the Lord is snipping those things. And you're like, Lord, I needed that. But you didn't realize that if you keep those certain things in your life in this next season, it'll pull you down, not bring you up. And God is cutting some things off because he's going to need your full focus in this next season. He's going to need your full attention in this next season. And you can't, be, you can't be led astray by every little weight and doctrine and things that are going to beset you. Remember what Paul said? He said, these things I lay aside, every weight and sin that would so easily beset me. Because God's wanting to bring us higher and we can't have certain weights and distractions in our lives. Because they won't serve the purposes of God. They'll serve as a distraction. And in this next season, you got to be fully focused you got to be fully engaged. you got to be fully connected to the true vine because we got to hear what he's saying. We, we can't afford not to hear what he's saying in this next season of our lives. We have to hear the instruction from heaven. We have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit if we're going to be effective in 2023. Come on, somebody say amen. Say, God is processing me. Listen to what John chapter 12, verse 24 says. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus was giving a parable on how life works on this side of heaven. This is how life works on this side of heaven. I know you were told that if you, if, you, if you get things, you will be fulfilled. If you reach certain goals, you will get fulfilled. But in the kingdom, how it works is we die 
to self in order to get life. I know that's heavy. You know this is Christianity 101, right? They don't teach it in the pulpits. And this is why America is in the condition that it's in. Because we are told if we work hard and get a career and life is, you know, we get happy. That, that's not the way to happiness. The way up in the God's kingdom is going low. The way, the, the way to partner with the Holy Spirit is to do your best to get self fully out of the way so that you can partner with him. And in all of that, you end up finding life in Christ. And it is possible. It is possible. Somebody say it's possible. I want to say this last point here. And I'm going to try to drive this home and sink this deep in your heart. And I pray the Holy Spirit imparts this into the depths of your being. I know I keep highlighting the fact that this pottery was marred in the hand of the potter. In other words, it was disfigured. It was broken. The people that I've seen closest to God have been the most broken people. If you seek wholeness, it is a dangerous place to be. I know that that's hard to understand because you remember, thank you, Holy Spirit. Remember when we broke the flesh that represents Jesus's body in communion? This is why he said, do this often. Because our heart is, it's a symbolism of our heart posture, the way that God desires it to constantly be, is broken, broken, broken. Now, Angelique and Tony understand this, I feel, to a huge degree. And there are many of you, under the sound of my voice, who understand what I mean by remaining broken. Because when God continues to allow things in your life whereby you remain broken, it's his gift to you. Because God can't use whole vessels. He uses broken vessels. Because if you're not broken, you're not open. And the more in God's kingdom, brokenness equals wholeness. In this kingdom, wholeness produces arrogance and self-independence. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? And I believe that we're in a season where God is calling us to be completely yielded to whatever it is he's doing on this wheel we call life. He's breaking us. He's making something out of nothing. He's taking beauty and he's, he's taking ashes and turning it into beauty. He's taking terrible situations and making something beautiful out of it. He's taken relational loss. He's taking sickness. He's taken disease. He's taken trouble. And he's working out something that has a far more eternal weight of glory. He's doing something. Even when I don't feel it, he's doing something. Even though I don't feel like praying, I know he's doing something. Even when I don't understand it, he's doing something. Somebody say he's doing something. He is. He's doing something. That's why the Holy Spirit has been quiet in your life. For some of you, you've been at the brink of destruction and you're like, Lord, if you don't break through in my life, I don't know what I'm going to do. But God has simply been silent to get you to understand a side of him that you did not know before. 
And how do you get to know the Lord? Simple trust and simple yielding to the Lord. The greatest secret in life is this, learning to completely yield to the master. Completely. Say, Lord, teach me how to yield. Yeah, yeah, because it's in the brokenness that makes it easier for him to flow in. I felt like the Lord, you can stand to your feet. I felt like the Lord as of late has been deconstructing me and deconstructing so many people. He's getting rid of our self-reliance, crushing us, crushing our belief systems, crushing our church strategies, crushing our self-reliance. Come on, am I talking to the right crowd this morning? God is doing something. He's refashioning us. He's making us more like himself. He's teaching us to trust in him, to rest in him, and to yield to him. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.